Good morning. Greetings to each of you in the Master's name this morning. It is such a privilege to be here. May God be with us throughout the remainder of this service, and may we be called to a closer walk with Him this morning. Grant me thy grace for every task until thy face I see. Then ever, then ever new shall be that joy in service, Lord, for thee. We've been talking about roles in the church. Grant me the grace for every task until thy face I see. Is that our expectation of our role, fulfilling our role in the church? This is part four of roles in the church. This one is about families and singles. But I have a little ways to go this morning, so I'm going to talk fast. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm not going to be able to flesh out everything that I say this morning, so I hope that we can close the gaps on in conversation. So if there's things that... I bring up this morning that you'd like clarity on or whatever, feel free to ask me. We can talk about them afterwards. Ephesians chapter 3, going to read two verses to start with, verses 14 and 15. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family in heaven and earth, the idea of family is God's idea. Family is named by God. And we, as part of families, are gifted the opportunity to be part of what God created and what God named. Now I'm going to start reading at verse 9 and read to verse 21. And I want you to pay attention as we go through here to the family community references that are made as we go through this passage, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some of them that I saw as I looked at it quickly. Fellowship, family, with all saints, church are some of the terms. But I want you to get the bigger picture of what I was talking about in the passage, but also catch how those terms are interlinked in this text. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, 
Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And so, the family is to be part, the family of God is to be part of what brings God glory and shows to the world, shows to the principalities and powers in the world the manifold wisdom of God. And we're talking about family, the role of family and singles as it relates to the church family. We live in an interesting time, a time when travel and communication is like it's never been before in the world. And we have the ability to connect with and stay connected with far more people than pretty much anybody in history ever had an opportunity to do. And there's positive things about that. But there's also negative things about that. And there are things that we need to be aware of and conscious of as we relate in the world in which we live. So we have the capacity to easily move away from our childhood home, our childhood culture, and to, uh, to be part of another culture and community very easily. It's not hard for that to happen at all in our day. Now, um, when we were going camping with the high schoolers, we had to take our meager amount of camping gear from our trucks about 200 yards, and we were taking it down a well-beaten path. And so, you know, I'm trying to help you to see that it wasn't that difficult of a task. And as we were going, we had a wagon, we were pulling it in a, in a wagon, some of the stuff, and, and it was fairly heavy. And, you know, we came to little stones and stuff along the way, and you had to kind of boost the wagon over a rock or a log or whatever. And uh, Franklin's dad, Davey, was pulling the wagon, and I was pushing from behind, and he said, can you imagine a covered wagon for hundreds of miles across the Rocky Mountains? No trail or very little trail. If you had a trail, it was rutted deep with mud. And that's what it took to get to a completely different culture. It's, it's like the difference in effort that it took to move out of your community and become part of another community or culture 150 years ago is staggering in comparison to what it is now. And so how many people that are here this morning grew up in a different state? Hold your hand up high. A good portion of people here this morning grew up in a different state. Very Not, not that significant. I mean, in some ways it was significant. I'm not minimizing the, the difficulties that you faced in, in making that transition. But you can get in your car and you can go home in a couple hours and you can see your family. So what does that mean? Well, it's very easy for us to develop a plethora or a tremendous amount, an excessive amount of relationships as a result of the travel and communication capacity that we have. And these, these relationships cost from every side. Like, you know, it doesn't take too long, it doesn't take too many years at Bible school until you have people calling you and, and wanting to talk and, and engage and, you know, all of a sudden the day is going and what did I even get done? I spent most of my day just communicating with people 
and, and I didn't get a lot of work done and my family wonders where I've been all the day. It's not that bad. It's just, it, it happens. And so maybe you've been to Bible school and you have Bible school friends and, and they're doing something interesting and so you communicate with them or that relationship calls at you because you know them, it calls at you and you want to maybe follow what's going on in their lives. Or maybe it's some other type of relationship. So Dane and I live very near the area where we grew up. But we have somewhat moved culturally. Not a lot, but we've somewhat moved culturally. And so we don't spend a lot of time with the people that we grew up with. So my best friend, when I was a teen, lives in another area now. And we don't spend much time together at all. What am, I, what am I saying with all this? I'm saying that these relationships, this, this huge amount of, of relationship capacity that we have to develop calls at us and pulls at us and it's, it's constantly affecting the way that we relate to people. And I don't remember when I talked about social media here did I bring some glasses, some cups, and do a little dem quick demonstration? Okay, so we have a limited amount of capacity. I'll just do it like in your imagination, okay? No, I'll do it on the board. Here we go. So we have a limited amount of capacity. We're like a cup. Relationship capacity is what we're talking about. And so... You can, fill, you can fill this cup up with relationships. But what happens when we actually develop too many shallow relationships, we create a blocker to the deeper part of our being, and we end up spreading out instead of going down into the deep. So these might hold the same, generally the same capacity, but we spread out and, and we create a blocker to going deep because we're spending, we, we have to start here to get down to the bottom. And, and because we're spreading out like this, we create a blocker to the deeper part of our being that really is where we find this, the deepest satisfaction in relationship. And so when, when we have this opportunity to spread out so much because of travel and communication, it makes it harder and harder for us to get deep in our relationships. And that matters very much when we start talking about and thinking about family and church. So I want you to think about that capacity that you have somewhat in the sense of this, this diagram here. So maybe the inner part of this would be, this inner circle would be intimate friends. And then you'd have close association. Um, and then you'd have like casual acquaintances. And so every life, every life and every culture has this general format. You have intimate, close, people that are close to the center. You have 
close association, people that you are with a lot, who you not only spend time with, but also um, agree with. There's This isn't just people that you spend a lot of time with, say, at work. Um, the people at work that you don't really say, I'm, I'm saying agree with in the sense of think alike, have the same worldview. They would remain casual friends more even though you spend a lot of time with them. Your close association people would be people that you connect with at somewhat of a deeper level, but you don't spend as much time as the intimate friend level. So the question is, and, and so the drawing that I made just a little bit ago, if, if you spread out this casual circle big, real big, then this part right here will get real small. Like you won't really have much capacity at all to have intimate, have and maintain intimate close relationships. But the question is, who should be in that inner circle? So who should that intimate friend circle be for you? And then, of course, also the close association circle. And I don't know that these are really hard-lined differences because within any group of people, you're going to have people that you connect with more intimately. You're going to have people that are, are close friends um, or close association. And so I don't want to draw hard lines here. I'm just trying to give you a way to think about that these are, there's a, there's a framework of things that are happening in your life in relation to your relationships. And it's important that you develop these relationships properly and know who these people ought to be. Because the inner circle is where life really happens. That's, that's the, the real flesh and bones of life happen in the inner circle of the people that you have intimate relationships with. Who should be in that circle? It's the people that I have direct responsibility for or to. That's who should be in this close circle. The people that I have direct responsibility to. And this needs to be ordered not by our priority structure, but by God's priority structure. So we should think about what matters to God in relation to who do I have responsibility for? Well, it's not what who I think I have responsibility for that's important. It's, what, it's who God says that I have responsibility for. That's what's important. That's who that intimate close circle should be. So can you think about passages in the Bible that talk about the give priority to our human relationships? Okay. The whole chapter, or do you have a specific verse in mind? Okay. <clears throat> so what, what human relationship is given priority there? Spouse and children. Human relationship. Our relationship with God, I'm not, I'm not asking about so much about our relationship with God, but where the priority is for human relationships. Any other verses you can think of? There's one in the Ten Commandments. Honor thy father and mother. There you go. Any other ones? Fathers to children. Yep. Fathers to children. 
Husbands. Yep. Husbands to wives. Okay. Family. Direct direct family connection. Yep. Wife to husband. So you're starting to get the picture? God's given direct responsibilities to us as individuals in relation to this inner circle. The people that He's given us responsibility for and to. So who is your family? What did Jesus say? Jesus has some really interesting things to say about family. So your homework assignment is to go through the Gospels and find all the places where Jesus talked about family connections and and look at the priority that He gave to family connections. I'm going to read you a verse because I, I want it to be part of our framework of thinking. Matthew 12, verse 46, While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. And one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. And he answered and said to them that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. And so by implication here, Jesus is saying that the family tie is the inner circle tie. But by direction, he's saying that the spiritual family supersedes the physical family. The spiritual connection is greater than the physical connection. And this was a revolutionary idea because culture to this point, and even Jewish culture, the family tie was the tie of strength. That's where survival and strength lay, was in the family connection. So I want to, I want to go back to something that I've said several times I've gone through these Uh, messages, and that is that we need to think about the local congregation as being the church. At At the ground roots level, the universal church is lived out at the local church level. For us, for the individual Christian, that's where the universal church is lived out. And Your spiritual family, your inner circle, cannot be everyone who is a Christian that you know. It has to be brought down so that you can deepen your relationships and those relationships can develop you into the kind of person that God wants you to be. And that happens at the local church level, not at the universal church level. And so as part of the family that is here, God has given you responsibility to the people in your local church. And so your local church people should be part of this inner circle of intimate people. Well, in in the sense of, of being part of, I'm not saying that that's the only church, 
I'm just simply saying that for, for me, church happens here. So I need to think about living out church here because this is where church happens for me. There's other church out there, but this is where it happens for me. And so I need to live it out here. Does that make sense? So this brings up, this brings up a little bit of a conflict, actually, if you're, if you're following me. So you have blood family and you have church family. So you have responsibility to blood family and you have responsibility to church family. So the church and the family in conflict. So I want to answer that question, okay? But I I wanted to bring us to that point of question because the issue is going to be what are we going to give priority? And also, how do we understand how to give the proper priority between church and family and especially family who is also Christian. And maybe family who is also Christian who does not attend here. There's many of us that have that. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bold, and I'm going to tell you that... Now, I'm going to ask you a question first. Has God called you to church here? Now, obviously, we have some visitors here. So think about your home. If you're a visitor here, think about your home congregation, okay? Has God called you to to be part of the church here? And if He has, then He has called you to give priority to this family. That does not mean that your other family, your blood family, is not important. But He has called you to work in His kingdom here in this family. It's similar to the, to the idea of God calling you to foreign missions. If God called you to foreign missions, He would call you to pack your bags and travel to another area, into another culture, and surround yourself with people that you don't know and live out the church in that culture. And so one of the things that's happened, in our, and, this, and this is part of the complexity of, of what I'm talking about this morning, one of the things that has happened is that we have become, we, we have a, not only do we have a plethora of relationships, we have a plethora of churches, okay? And, and so many people that we know go to different churches than we do, and many of our family members go to different churches than we do. So how can we best serve our church family and our blood family? And I actually believe, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to start on the premise of the fact that we should give, because Jesus gave higher priority to spiritual family than to blood family, that we should give priority to the spiritual family where He has placed us, where He has called us. And then I'm going I'm to bring that back around, so stay with me, okay? I'm going to get real practical here. We need to be careful about weekend trips and things that take us away from our church family when our church family has functions. 
because the thing that keeps a family strong is actually participation of members in the family. And so when we participate in family, we strengthen whatever we're doing. Family camping. Should we just take a family camping trip a couple weekends of summer? You might look at me and say, Philip, what did you do last summer? You took your family on a three-week camping trip. I did. Now let me ask you another question. You brothers and sisters here at our church, do you have a question about my commitment to our services here? So, you see where I'm going? In other words, I'm not saying that it's wrong to do that, but rather, where are we showing our priority? Are we giving priority? Are we giving strength into the church family? Can they see that our commitment is here? An area where I believe we could grow here as a church is our commitment to Wednesday night services. I think we could do a better job of being here on Wednesday nights. What does that mean? That means that it's going to take us giving priority to being here. It might mean that we need to talk to somebody and say, look, you know, it just it's not going to suit me to do that job or it's not going to suit me to, I'm going to have to quit a little earlier. I'm going to have to do something different so that I can be with my church family because a function is happening. And I don't have time to, I don't have time to get into all the reasons why that matters. I'm happy to talk to you about it in conversation, but it has to do with placing value in the fact that when we gather as a church family, we don't gather nearly as often as blood families gather when children are small. And so when a child is small, he is with his family all the time, ideally. And as he grows, he grows in that sheltered environment. And the church also brings in young Christians. And those young Christians need a steady, sheltered environment. And it takes the participation of both the mature and the young Christians to develop and to establish that sheltered, consistent environment. And so since we meet, our, our, we actually here at Mabel, we intentionally limited our Wednesday night services so that we could do have more time to do personal work. So we have three services, Wednesday night type services. The outreach thing is not always on a Wednesday night. but So we have two regular Wednesday night services. We have one outreach thing each month. And the reason why we didn't put in something every Wednesday night was so that you as a congregation could do more personal work. Okay? But when church happens, where are you? Okay, I'll come back to that too. So we can't make church attendance a when it's convenient basis. We can't do it on a when it's a convenient basis. It's not going to work. Church is not going to work. If you like what you have in your church, if you yourself personally don't strengthen it, it's not going to grow stronger. If you do strengthen it, it will be something better than it is. Not just what it is, but something better. I want to finish this point with this. 
Your commitment to what God has called you to will encourage your physical family toward God-centered priorities. Okay? So what, I, what I've cycled back around to is the fact that when you make your spiritual family a priority, it actually pushes your blood family toward God. And so the best thing that you can do for your physical family is to make your church family a priority because it demonstrates something to them. And that includes both your family that doesn't maybe attend here, but it also includes your children. And I, I th- there is a, an overwhelming evidence to me that parents who make church a priority for their children, I, I need to bring in two things. Parents who make God in the home and church a priority have good families. When there's a consistency between the interest in God at home and an interest in church services, it develops good family. You will do more for your family by following God than by making them your top priority. And that's why the greatest commandment is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. He and the spiritual aspect of your being is the most important thing that you can focus on. It'll do the most for your family. There's something else we need to consider in relation to this, and it has to do... It's going to end up being two messages, sorry. There's another thing that that this has to do with. And it has to do with being careful that we don't find brotherhood, don't seek brotherhood outside the local congregation. And... So that's going to take a little bit of explaining for me to give you what I need, but I think there, or what I want to, but I think I might be able to connect it with you. Brotherhood is a spirit. It's not a way that we administrate. It's not a way that um, the fact that we say we're a brotherhood church does not make us a brotherhood church. Brotherhood is a spirit. And it's a spirit that's built around a collective camaraderie, but also a purpose. So probably purpose should be first. And then out of that purpose comes a camaraderie, a sense of togetherness. That's what brotherhood means. People find brotherhoods, people seek for and find a sense of brotherhood in secular organizations like volunteer fire departments. That's a place where people can find a sense of brotherhood. I'm not condemning the volunteer fire department. I'm just saying that there is a sense of brotherhood there and people are attracted to that because of that sense of brotherhood. There's other things, many other things. Boy Scouts can start naming off those different organizations. We need to be really careful that we don't let something like that, while you might participate in something like that, that you don't seek to feel your need for brotherhood in an organization like that. So the other thing that we have because of our our opportunity for travel and communication, the other opportunity that we have is to establish brotherhood, spiritual brotherhood, with like-minded people who attend different churches. 
And I'm not saying that all of that is wrong. In fact, I find some of that to be beneficial. But what I, what I want to point out is the fact that let's say that in the scheme of the body parts of the body of Christ, you're a hand. It will be most easy for you to connect with other hands because you see the same important things that they do. And so if you have the opportunity because of the ability to communicate or the ability to travel, or maybe you live in close proximity to a lot of hands in other congregations, you can soon have a group of people that you connect very closely with that become kind of your brotherhood. And the problem with that is, it's, it's not wrong for you to have that connection, but the problem with that is that if you are a hand-focused group, it's going to be unhandy. It's not going to work out well because you're not going to be a good representation of Jesus Christ. Okay? God placed you in a body that He called you to to fulfill the body of Jesus Christ. To be the body of Jesus Christ. And for your hand to feed that body. Is that clear? That's going to be harder for you to connect with the kidneys. Okay? But the hand and the kidney are both important to your function as a human being. They're both important for your function as a body. And they are for ours as a body too. And it's actually in the difficulty of the connection sometimes is what drives us deep, not only in our own spiritual lives, but also deep in our relationships. Because we have to uncover more of ourselves. We have to become more transparent to make the connection. Real brotherhood in local church, real family, takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of work to be a real family. It takes a lot of intentionality. Well, I'm down to one page of notes per sermon. So the next page will be for whenever I preach next. Brothers and sisters, I'm excited. I am excited about the church we have here. We are, we are diverse. We're from a lot of different places. But I'm just so blessed by the way that our gifting and personalities and stuff feed into the body and fill the needs of the body. So I want to encourage us that we're on a good start towards being the kind of brotherhood that I was talking about this morning. 